Hey, Trademark, how's it going? Miss you guys. I'm so eager for the day when we can be together again. But I want to thank you for being faithful to continue to tune in on Wednesdays to the message and on Fridays to our Zoom Bible studies. I, I have to apologize for last week. I messed up something in my head or my schedule. It seems like during quarantine, all the days are just running together. And I totally forgot that it was Friday. I missed the Zoom Bible study. And so I want to apologize to those of you who were looking forward to that and, and weren't able to be a part of that. Thank you, those of you who were able to arrange your schedule to jump in Saturday. Enjoyed being with you. I just want to remind you guys that we are every Friday, I, I'm going to remember, every Friday we are on Zoom. We're studying the Bible together. We're digging deeper into this, this book of Acts. We're digging deeper into the messages. Be, because of our time constraints, we don't have time to dig as, as deeply as we'd like to into the text. And so we're taking a fly overview of Acts chapter 6 through 8 today, and later on, on Friday, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of the application points, a little bit deeper into some of the cool things that God is doing in this church. I just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet joined us on Zoom, feel free to jump in. If you've been joining in, hey, keep coming back. Thank you so much for watching and, and, and engaging with us. We appreciate you. We love you. This is one of the few ways that we get to interact with each other in this time, and, and I have so enjoyed being able to see your faces and talk to you through those Zoom calls. So let's keep that going. I, I, I love seeing it. Hey, hey, let's dive into this message today in the book of Acts. This series so far, our series is Unstoppable, tracking the, the expansion of God's unstoppable mission in the world, seeing him build his church. And we've been tracking the birth of the church. We've been tracking God's spirit and his presence in dwelling and in filling his people, empowering them to do incredible things. We, we, we've seen God building and protecting his church, making her a force in the community. Last week, Pastor Gabe reminded us of the incredible protection that God gives against for his church, both from, from threats within and threats without. He, he protects and preserves his people. And, and this week, we're going to continue tracing this story. We, we've seen that God's church is marked by radical love, by people just engaged in self-discipline, by, by radical generosity, and, and is represented by these bold leaders who, who have gone forth. We've seen the apostles doing incredible things. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a man who is unable to walk from birth. We see Peter give an incredible sermon and 3,000 in a moment are saved. We, we see the apostles preaching and proclaiming the word of God, teaching, and, and more and more people are growing, being added to the church daily. We see God's people just being serious about God's work in their world. We see God's people loving their community, engaging with their neighbors, showing generosity, all these different things. And we see the church just growing as God's people get involved. And we've just been encouraging you week after week to jump into this mission, that, that the mission of God is not just for the elite, but the mission of God is for all of God's people, that, that you and I have a remarkable part to play in the story that God is weaving in our community. God is working in Moreno Valley, in, in our city, 
in our region. The work of God is not only limited to far off conferences and conventions. It's not only limited to mission fields where we hear of incredible stories of salvation. It's not only limited to the Bible times, but today in our city, in our community, in your family, in your friend groups, God is at work. God has a mission and he's inviting you to be a part of it. We're going to delve more into that today in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. You can turn there now if you have your Bible. Uh, If you don't, you can pause this video now, grab a Bible, grab a pen and paper, whatever you need to connect with God's Word and prepare yourself for the teaching of the Word. Go ahead and do that now. I'll give you just a second to prepare your heart and prepare yourself for this. It is no surprise in Scripture when we see God moving through empowered, incredible people. When Peter and John heal a lame beggar, it's no surprise. When Peter preaches a message, we aren't shocked. These are apostles, after all. These are men who walked with Jesus, who saw him die on the cross, who witnessed his resurrection from the dead. They saw his miracles. They heard his teachings. And so when their time comes to carry on the torch of the faith, it's no shock to us that that they are bold and ready to go. They they were at Pentecost. They felt the room shake. They they saw the, the, the tongues of fire on people's heads. They themselves spoke in other tongues. And so, of course, the apostles are ready to minister. They're, they're ready to go. But I think we can have a tendency to discount these miracles and, and these signs because, of course, it happened in Acts. They were apostles, after all. Of course, God would use his apostles. These are, these are super Christians. These are really ultra-spiritual people, far better than you and I. Of course, God would use them. But we can begin to doubt, would God use me? Can God use me for his work and his mission? And and what we'll find today in our text is that the answer is yes. Yes. You will find, studying the book of Acts, that there is no model in which we, the the members of the church, just sit and listen to a preacher preach at us. But but the biblical model of Christianity is that, yes, pastors preach and teach, and, and they are an important function in the church, but the people of God are active members of the ministry in the world and in their communities. That the people of God, when, when God's people grasp God's mission and begin to embody that mission in their communities and the people around them, we see the church grow and expand and change. When God's people begin to shrink back, and and become listeners and observers rather than participants, we see the church shrink and die in various ways. What we'll find today in, in our passage of Acts is that the only qualification for ministry is availability. We see that God uses anyone and everyone however he wants to use them. God doesn't just use pastors, leaders, uh, super Christians. God uses nobodies. Let's look at our text, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, who are Greek-speaking members of the church, rose against the Hebrews, who are Jewish members of the church, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, we should, we should say here what's going on. The, the church is marked by this generosity, and so they've decided that they're going to daily supply for the needs of the poor in their community. They're going to supply the needs of, of the widows in their church, who in this culture could not afford to survive after the death of their husband. They were not 
able to make ends meet. And so the church decided out of their generosity, motivated and moved by the Spirit, they were going to distribute to those needy poor women. And, and what we find is that the Hellenists complain that their widows are neglected. And so the 12 disciples summon the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We, we see in this text that the, the, there's something significant, and, and I don't want you to take this as an anti-pastor's sermon. I, I, I would hate for someone to, to hear me speak and say, man, we don't need Pastor Dave. We don't need Pastor Gabe. We can do this ourselves. We're ministers too. So, so let's just get rid of the pastors and, and we, don't, we don't need any leaders. Everyone can be a leader. That's not what I'm saying. It's clear from this text that the apostles have an important role to serve in the church. The leaders of the church have an important function. It is important that our leaders are preaching to us and, and teaching us. It, it is important that we sit under the ministry of Pastor Dave and Pastor Gabe and, and the rest of our pastoral staff. They are crucial, critical members of our body, and without them, we would not be a true functioning church. So don't take this as an anti-pastor's sermon, but, but rather take this as an invitation that God doesn't only use pastors. God doesn't only use our elders. God doesn't only use members of the pack, but God uses even you and I. God uses nobodies. What's interesting about these individuals, these seven men chosen, is that these, these are not well-known men. These, these are not people that we've heard about before in the book of Acts. These aren't listed among Jesus' disciples. And after this section, we don't really hear about them again. They, they aren't these incredible celebrities. They aren't rich and famous. They don't have degrees or, or PhDs. They, they're, they're not super Christians by any sense of the term. They're simply ordinary, faithful men. They're men of good character, full of the spirit and wisdom. This is a list that we ought to strive for. We should be known in this way, but every believer should be a, a person full of the spirit and wisdom. This, this should be everyone, not just a, a select group. Beyond this good character, there's nothing special about these men. We don't, we don't hear about them performing some incredible miracle. We, 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 we don't see them walking with Jesus or, or giving these sermons. We've never heard of them before. Listen, you don't have to be special to be used by God. You don't have to be the best speaker. You don't have to be incredibly bold and outgoing. You, you don't have to be able to perform miracles or, or heal people or, or have this incredible, powerful prayer life. There's nothing that you need that, that's somehow special or other in order to be a minister for God. All you need is a faithful willingness to, to, to do what God calls you to do. All you have to do is be ready. Be ready. I, I want to highlight in the time we have to together today, I want to highlight a couple of these men and point out some characteristics that set them apart as, as useful by God. In verse 8, we hear about this man, Stephen, full of grace and power. He's doing wonders and signs among the people. It's Stephen. It, it's just Stephen. There, there's nothing really special about him. There's nothing that sets him apart. He's just Stephen, uh, another guy. But he's full of grace and power. 
He, he, he's pulled in before the Jewish council later on in this chapter. He, he gives a sermon, one of the longest recorded sermons in Scripture. It's incredibly powerful. In the end, they kill him for it. Stephen didn't wake up thinking that he was going to preach a sermon that day. Stephen didn't wake up thinking he was going to die that day. But when the time came, he was ready. When the opportunity came to speak, he was ready to speak. If you look at what Stephen preached, it's clear that he spent time in the Word of God. He spent time meditating on the story of Scripture. He spent time in the Old Testament. He spent time hearing the teachings of Jesus. And, and, and he's clearly meditated on it. He's clearly internalized it. He's clearly got it inside of him. And, and he's ready when the time comes. He's ready to preach. He's ready to speak. And I wonder often if, if we are not ready because we haven't prepared like Stephen has. We, we feel ill-prepared to share the gospel with others because we haven't really learned it ourselves. God has a call on you to, to preach and to teach and to share the gospel. God has a call on you to minister to your friends and to your family. Are you ready for it? Do you, do you keep yourself ready? One of the qualifications for people used by God is that we are ready. This is a quality that we can stir up in our lives. Be ready to preach at all times. The, the, the uh, letter to Timothy says, be ready in season and out of season. That, that we would always be prepared, that we are meditating on the story of Jesus. We are always keeping at, at the forefront of our mind what God has done for us. And, and what we see in Stephen is, uh, is that uh, uh, he spent so much time in the story, he spent so much time just thinking about it and meditating on it that when the time comes, he doesn't have to have notes prepared. He doesn't have to have, you, you, you know, a Bible in front of him, but he knows the story and he's able to preach it because he's ready. He's ready. So be ready. Be someone who's ready. Take time. Dwell on the story of Scripture. Internalize it. And, and you will find that when the opportunity presents itself for you to witness, you'll know what to say. You'll be ready too. So, so be ready. That's, that's the first character trait that we see. He's ready. The, the second comes in Acts chapter 8, later after, after the story of Stephen. Acts chapter 8 verse 4, we hear about a man named Philip. Acts chapter 8 verse 4, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lamed were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Philip. Again, there's nothing special about Philip. We, we haven't heard about him before. We don't hear about him again after this story, except for maybe a couple mentions in a letter from Paul. But we find that, that Philip is speaking and, and that incredible things are happening. Again, th there's no special significance of Philip. He hasn't spent years in, in a prophetic training school. He hasn't spent time learning how to perform miracles, whatever that even means. I, God performs the miracles. We don't. But, but he preaches. And when he does, God shows up. God shows up. All, all Stephen does is, is he's faithful and he's obedient. God tells him to do something. God, God says, you're going to preach here? He says, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And, and what we find is God backs up his word. That as Stephen preaches, God begins to do incredible things through him. Stephen didn't know how to perform a miracle or a healing. He was human just like you and I. I can heal someone if I tried, but the power of God moving through me just might. 
And as Stephen is obedient to the voice of God, as Stephen is obedient to the, to the call to preach, as Stephen is obedient to the command to go into all the earth and make disciples of every nation, discipling them, teaching them to obey what Jesus has commanded, as he's obedient to that call and command, we see God backing up his word. Listen, when you speak, when you are a witness for Jesus, when you open your mouth and share the gospel, the story of what Jesus has done with your friends, you don't need to be worried about results. You, you don't have to be worried about who's going to believe, who's not going to believe. You, you pray for your friend who's sick. You don't have to be worried about whether or not they're going to get healed. We, we don't worry about results. All we do is we are obedient, and we trust that God is going to do his part. Be obedient. Be obedient. Just do your part. Just preach. Just open your mouth. Just share. Just as you're led, as, as the Spirit puts it on your heart to, to speak to a friend, to send a text message, to, to start a FaceTime call, whatever that looks like for you, be faithful, be obedient, and do it. And trust God. God always backs up his word. All we do, well, I remember a word that I heard from my youth pastor years ago. Jesus does the miracle. All we do is take the risk. Jesus performs the miracle. All we do is take the risk. We are obedient to the call of God. We are obedient to preach. We're obedient to teach. And God backs it up. So if you want to be used by God, become an obedient disciple. Cultivate obedience in yourself. If you aren't able to obey authority figures that God has placed in your life, you won't be able to obey God. Do you want to become more obedient? Begin to develop a practice of obeying your parents when they ask you to do something. Develop a practice of, of, of respecting and obeying teachers and leaders that God has put over your life. Be, develop a practice of obeying your pastors. Develop this practice. Develop, cultivate this habit of obedience. And you'll find that when God speaks to you, you'll be ready. You'll be willing. But if you haven't cultivated a, an attitude of obedience, if you haven't begun to, to be an obedient person to others, what you'll find is when God speaks, you'll disobey him just as easily. So, so cultivate this. The people who are used by God are obedient people. Be obedient. Stephen models this so well. Down in verse 26, we see, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And, and verse 27, just the, the first part here, And he arose and went. The angel of the Lord said, Rise, go to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he rose and went. Stephen is the embodiment of this obedience. That God says, hey, go here. And he just goes. He, he doesn't question it. He doesn't ask. He, he doesn't know. Listen, you read the rest of verse 27 and it looks obvious. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And, and it's like, oh, this was a divine setup. But Philip doesn't know that. Philip doesn't know that someone's coming. All he knows is God said go. And so he goes. One of the hardest ways to obey is when you don't know the reason. It is difficult to obey when you don't know why you're obeying. But trust God in that process and just obey. Just be faithful to do what God has called you to do. And you'll find that God is preparing a work ahead of you that you don't even know is happening. Obedience without understanding is a great mark of trust and discipleship. Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't know why, we, 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 we suppress the urge to ask all the questions and we just say, I'm going to do it, Lord. Whatever you call me to do, whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to obey. Whatever, mom and dad, whatever you ask me to do, I don't need to know why, I'm just going to do it. I don't need to know why, I'm just going to do it. Obedience without understanding is a great mark of trust and discipleship. 
And what we see that the last point here is that Philip doesn't let the, the mission distract him from the message. See, this, this Ethiopian eunuch shows up as we read the rest of this story in verse 27 through 40. He rose and went. There's an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariots, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on in his rejoicing. We see this as a divine setup. That, that, that Philip is going along, being obedient, and, and God puts this man in his path, this Ethiopian eunuch. God, God puts him in his way. And, and, and what I wonder is going through Philip's mind in this moment. I, I wonder if he doesn't really know why, why God sent him here. All he knows is, is God said, hey, go and, and be ready. And, and Stephen isn't expecting a eunuch to show up, but he's expecting God to show up. Stephen understands that when the Spirit of God moves, he moves with a purpose. This is what we see throughout the whole book of Acts. Jesus moving in power with a purpose. When when God sends Philip to a place, we we know that God is about to do something. And and Philip expects that God is going to do something great. He doesn't know what. He he doesn't know why. But he expects that God is going to do a work. And and so when this eunuch shows up, Philip says, oh, this must be the guy that God sent. And Philip says, well, here, let's go. And let's, let's, let's talk to him. Let's start this conversation. Philip is expecting God to move. But this could have easily gone a different way. This could have easily been a, a distraction from what God was doing. Philip could have easily looked at this chariot and said, man, cool chariot. Now, God, where are you wanting me to go? Why am I here? Let me spend some time in prayer. Let me spend some time just seeking the Lord. And he, he could have allowed this opportunity to pass him right by. But, but Philip understands that what looks like a distraction is actually the destination. See, see, here's why I think this matters for us, is I think you and I miss so many opportunities to be ministers for God because we think that, that they're just distractions. We look at people passing by in our lives. We look at opportunities, text messages that come our way, uh, uh, Zoom Bible studies even. We, we look at all the opportunities that God gives us and we let them pass by because they're more of a distraction. They, they, they distract us from what we really want to be doing. They, they distract us from uh, our schoolwork. They distract us from our video game time. They distract us from our, our sports. They distract us, and, and so we, we avoid them. We let them pass by. But we're missing the mission of God because we look at it as a distraction rather than a destination. And what I want to encourage you to do is to be expectant 
that God is moving in your life. God is working in your life. God has called you to minister to someone, and he's setting you up on a daily basis. Philip was set up here. He, he showed up, and right there is an Ethiopian reading the scripture, ready. He's prepared. Philip didn't have to convince him that he needed to study the Bible. God had already set him up. God is setting you up in your life, but you have to be ready and expecting it to happen, or it's going to pass you by, and you're going to miss it. So don't miss it. Be expectant. Expect God to move. He is moving. He is working. He is doing things. Even now in this season, God is moving in our community. God is moving in our city. Are you expecting him? Do you have your eyes open? Are you ready? Are you willing to obey what God has called you to do? Or are you going to let it just pass you by? Are you going to let another day go by where you miss the mission of God? Are you going to let another day go by where you miss an opportunity that was right in front of you to share the gospel with a friend? Are you going to let another day go by? Are you going to engage and say, no, God, you have something for me today. You have something for me right now. Wherever I am, whatever's going on in my situation, there's an opportunity for me to be obedient to God, for me to draw closer to him, for me to engage in the mission that God has for me. This can look like a lot of different things. One of the ways I do this, just candidly, I play a lot of video games. I, I enjoy it. I, I'm enjoying Fortnite. I, I got back into it recently. And one of the things that I do as I'm playing is as I'm in a party, just chatting up with some friends, I find opportunities to talk about Jesus. It might seem cheesy, but a lot of times I find that, that people have legitimate questions and they're just waiting for an opportunity. I have one kid I've been playing with for a couple years. His name is Noah. I have no idea where he lives. I have, I have no idea who this kid is. But, but I met him as a friend of a friend. And we have all kinds of conversations playing Fortnite about the Lord, about heaven and hell, about, about what's happening in our world. And, and I have this opportunity because I'm, I'm just ready. I'm expecting this to happen. I'm not saying this to, to brag as much as to tell you that in your everyday moments, things that seem so mundane have an opportunity for God to use them. If we expect God to move, he will move. He is moving. We, we just have to be prepared for it. We have to have our eyes open to see what God is doing in our world around us. The mission of God is advancing the world, and God wants you to carry it out. So, so as we close, I, I, I want to remind you to, to be ready. Spend, your, spend time saturating yourself in the story of Scripture. Spend time meditating on what God has done in your life, on what God is doing in our world. Think about these things. Learn some verses. Memorize some Scripture. Develop a habit of prayer and, and devotional time so that you're ready when an opportunity comes. Be obedient. When God gives you a, an urge to speak, when God leads you to, to go somewhere, when God leads you to, to witness, do that. Be obedient. Be ready. Don't, don't shirk it off and be expectant. Be looking for God in every situation. Be looking for opportunities to minister. Expect that God has something for you today. Expect that God has something for you every day in your life, that there are opportunities for you to minister. Be expectant. Church is a boring hobby. If the only reason you're engaged in church is to sit down and, and watch a couple sermons and feel better about yourself, it's, it's a boring hobby. You should find another one. Church is so much more exciting when we begin to take part of the mission of God, when, when, when we begin to own it for ourselves and say, God didn't only call Pastor Gabe to be a, a pastor, but God called me to minister. God called you to minister in, in whatever you're doing, whatever situation you find yourself in. 
God called you to minister to your friends as you play a video game. God called you to minister to your friends as you text back and forth and complain about boring schoolwork. God called you to minister to your friends. So find these moments. Engage. Jump in. It's like like we're sitting on the shallow end of the pool just dipping our feet in the water and and the Spirit of God would call us to dive in and, and be a part of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you that this week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it encourages us. Thank you that, that you don't only use the super Christians. You don't only use the people of great reputation. You don't only use uh, incredibly gifted people, but you use nobodies. You use people like me. You use people like us, God, who there's nothing special about us, but, but you use us anyways. Lord, I pray that we would be ready for you to use us, that, that we would be obedient to your voice, and that we would expect you to move in our world. We love you. Pray you'd open our eyes to see how we might engage in your work today, this week, and throughout the rest of our lives. We love you. It's for your beautiful name and your glorious name we pray. Amen. Trademark, I love you. If you want to engage in Zoom Bible study this week, go ahead and read Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8, and we're going to dive into that this week on Zoom, Friday at 1 p.m. Jesus, you are better than anything in this world. I love you, Trademark. Be blessed.